This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. Today, you are going to see how quickly a business coach can get to work. You'll witness what Rachel Ryder does for me. She really coaches top executives through her company, MetaWorks, but maybe you or someone you know would benefit from one of the business coaches they have to offer there. MetaWorks comes at business from a place of loving kindness, and MetaWorks believes that the most important relationship you'll have in the workplace is the one you have with yourself. Much to my embarrassment, you will hear MetaWorks founder Rachel Ryder help me realize the part I was playing in a difficult work situation. What attracted me to Rachel's work was a tagline she uses that says, work is where your demons go to hide. I wasn't even sure what that meant, but I felt there was a message for me there. We do a lot of examining of our demons, our gremlins, and that nasty voice in your head that doesn't support you. We talk about that stuff all the time. And we use great tools in our everyday lives, but I, for one, was not using those tools in the workplace. This may come as a surprise to you, but when I'm not in front of this microphone, I'm not particularly comfortable in the workplace. I feel like I don't belong. I feel like I don't fit in. I feel like the conversations are awkward. And I realized deeply that I was playing along with a game I didn't like very much. Maybe this game is in your workplace too, where people bond over, you know, saying something snarky about somebody else. I've experienced a little bit of this. And even though it makes me wildly uncomfortable, I play the game and feel terrible and twisted up in knots at work. I don't feel like myself until I push open the door and breathe in the fresh air outside of the building. Again, I love my job. You know how much I love my job. And as long as the microphone is on and I'm talking to you, I'm good. It's when you're not there, I have some issues. So enter MetaWorks founder and executive coach, Rachel Ryder. After a distinguished career in HR, Rachel received an executive coaching certification from Columbia University, and she's had extensive training in meditation, somatic experiencing, and polarity therapy. And you'll hear her kindness and empathy shining right through. Her new book is called Who You Are, is how you lead. And we'll start with the name of the company. MetaWorks has two T's, unlike Zuckerberg's company. Meta with the two T's means loving kindness and poly. Their, their one T is more like big picture. We have different meanings. You said meta mm-hmm. with two T's, and we're familiar with the meta prayer, means... Loving kindness. In, so that's exactly the, in Pali, a language that Buddhism uses a lot. But the, the meta prayer is exactly that that basis. May all beings find happiness. May all beings find joy. May all beings find equanimity. And you think this can happen at work, Rachel Ryder? (laughs) (laughs) Not only do I think it can happen, I see it happen through my work. Yeah. And, And what I would like to say is, you know, loving kindness doesn't mean being a doormat. 
It doesn't mean over accommodating. It doesn't mean forgiving and forgetting. What it really means is to bring curiosity to every situation and understand that we're all human beings and that we all bring our trauma and our baggage and our personalities to work. And the more we can hold that as truth and then look within ourselves at what are we bringing to a situation, I truly believe that, yes, we can have meta in the workplace. Oh, my goodness. The line that uh, made me so uncomfortable and why I couldn't wait to talk to you is this. Work is where your demons hide. And I thought, I don't know what that means, and I don't want to know what that means. It's resonating so loudly. I'll just close my eyes and put my fingers in my ears. Work is where your demons hide. Explain what that means to you. People will go to therapy, they're having relationship problems, you know, that that they're like, oh, okay, there's something here I'm bringing to the situation. If someone's slightly self-aware and curious. Work, on the other hand, often over the course of our lives, it becomes a separate part of our life. That's where we go get things done so that we can create a means to have a life. And so we don't closely examine ourselves at work as we might in our lives. So our demons that have been closely examined and maybe even slightly eradicated in our personal lives find it a very safe haven to go to at work because we're not looking at ourselves closely. We're not saying, hmm, how am I bringing these habitual patterns to my personal relationships at work? How am I bringing my temper or bringing my avoidance behavior? Our demons nestle themselves into work and they don't move because we're not examining them. We're not calling them out. We're not asking them to show up differently. And so this book, Who You Are is How You Lead, is helping you to start to identify where are those demons living in your work that you might be able to engage differently. When it comes to work, all I have is avoidance behaviors. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, awareness is the first step. Huge congratulations to you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I'll tell you why. I'm sure, you know, everybody's workplace is different. Where I work, there's no one I would Mm. feel comfortable having this kind of conversation with. Um, Mm. And I end up having the kind of conversations that people have at work, that Mm. some people have at work. I know I'm not, I'm trying, I'm trying to use my language well. Be appropriate. Yeah. Tell me what it is I'm trying to say. Well, what I would say, and that's why I talk about this in the book, that the first place to start is the relationship we have with ourselves. So before we could even possibly bring this into the workplace as a conversation, we first need to have an understanding of, okay, what are we avoiding within ourselves? What are we doing inside that may be translating outside that isn't being received well? The clearer we are on that, I know it's going to be hard to believe, but I actually can guarantee it because of my experience working with um, all of these high-profile leaders, is that the more we get clear on what's going on within us, actually the more effective we can have the conversation, like what you're talking about with our peers, because we start to see who we're in the room with. We start to let go of our own anxieties around the conversation or our own strong opinions and pushing on on others. What we do is we see who we're in the room with and we try to have a conversation in a way where they can hear that still honors what's important to us. And the only way we can do that is if we start with ourselves. Give me a for instance, what would that look like? Someone looks inside Mm -hmm. themselves and finds what? So one of the things I love to do that's really user-friendly is to personify our demons. Now, we've been with ourselves for a very long time. So let's start with, okay, what's a habit that we know about ourselves that might not be so helpful? 
oh, when that person that is at work walks into the room, we're already like rolling our eyes inside, bringing in old storylines about how annoying they are or rude. That is the first step. Okay, what kind of demon is that, that behavior that we have? What do they look like? Also, I'll give you an example. I One of my favorite demons is my self-righteous anger and resentment. <laughs> I'm really good at it. <laughs> And so I have given her, I mean, when I see her, I see her as this fiery green dragon. She is quick-tempered, has a really fabulous flame, and can really burn you in a moment. When I see her, when she gets personified, I can actually then have a conversation with her. She then becomes a different part of me that I can say, hey, what's going on with you today? What's upsetting you? What triggers you? How are you protecting me? How can we work better together? So I would say that is the first step that's really user-friendly, really kind of fun to play with. What does that inner demon or pattern look like personified so that we can then have a conversation with it? All of this is making me nauseous. Congratulations, you're in the right place. <laughs> Do you hear this from other people? Like, I'm really struggling with this yeah. whole topic. Do you, is this, am yeah. I normal? Yes, absolutely. And actually, do you mind me asking what in particular makes you, ugh? Let me just lie on the couch, doctor. Yeah, um, <laughs> The whole culture is everybody talks behind everybody's back. Everybody makes fun of everybody mm. all the time. Mm. And sometimes if you have like a legitimate thing to bring to the table, it just gets put through this processor mm. of, of, well, everybody's just talking about everybody. It's like, no, there's some real issues here. And it's so much mm. more than that. And real issues just don't get talked about. It's just this nonsense machine. This is really so uncomfortable for me. But again, people communicate in such a unhealthy toxic way and here's my demon my demon like puts on a wig and says okay i'll do the same thing yeah yeah so thank you that's such a beautiful offering to explain that out loud because there are so many people who feel that way and what i hear you saying underneath it that is that that is the lifeblood of this demon is the belonging the wanting to belong the wanting to be included, the wanting to be accepted and be okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that resonates. Okay, I was going to ask. And, and also it feels like survival because when, yeah. I, when I walk out the door, I breathe and I feel, and I'm so grateful to be myself again. But in mm. inside these walls, it feels like survival. And honestly, mm-hmm. I don't want to be part of any of the toxicity, but, but I have to like drink a gallon of it every day just to get through the day. And I am not without yeah. sin. That's what I'm saying. Like I play, yeah. I play the game and I hate myself for it. Yeah. And so the first step in this, and this is so such a beautiful example because it's so pervasively true. What you're describing is pervasively true. That's why we have such toxic organizations in the world. And so the first step is really acknowledging what you just said, I hate myself for it, is acknowledging, okay, you have a really great survival mechanism that's taking really good care of yourself because you're still doing your thing. You're still alive in the world. You, you have this radio show. And so the first step, and that's what my book talks about too, is compassionate accountability. Once you have a sense of what your demon is, then we got to understand 
how it's taken such good care of you. Thank it. Celebrate it. I know that feels a little icky, but we, like you said, it has kept you alive. And once it feels acknowledged, because a survival mechanism like this needs to feel acknowledgement. It needs to be like, hey, girl, I've had your back. You may hate me, but I have had your back. you got to give me what's due to me. Once you acknowledge it and celebrate it, then there's room for a conversation of, okay, what would it look like to do it differently? You know, that, that wanting to belong is, okay, when do I want to feel like I belong? What, what does it mean to have my job and hold on to it? And where is there something small that it's safe for me to not belong as much? So we're doing this in small, small steps. So the moment that someone's, you know, whispering behind someone else's back in that moment, if it's a friend, maybe you say, you know what, I'm not in the mood today. Let's talk about something good. That there's a very, very small place of change because that's the only way big change happens is if we start small, especially when we're honoring, respecting our survival mechanism. You know, well, let me say this so I have some semblance of a radio show. We're talking <laughs> We're talking to Rachel Ryder, founder of MetaWorks, and her book is Who You Are is How You Lead. Uh, we're talking about bringing loving kindness to the workplace. I don't want to underestimate the kindness to that, that wanting to belong, that wanting to survive, that personification of the demon that is wanting so much to be included, even if it's just to keep your job, to feel safe. That truly, I know it sounds confusing because it's a small step and it's also embracing the worst of us in terms of our contribution. And that the more we embrace the peace that kind of makes us cringe about ourselves, the more we understand that it has been keeping us alive, I promise you there's going to be a clearer path forward in terms of how you want to navigate it differently. But before you could even do that, you've got to love up. you got to give that survival mechanism some props. you got to say, wow, thank you. You've gotten me this far. Now, how can we do it differently? But let's not talk about different first. Let's first let me say thank you. Loving your monsters is something we've talked about on this show. Mm-hmm. many times and I can do all that outside of the workplace the workplace mm-hmm. feels like a particular danger zone you know I just feel like it when you go to work all bets are off you just got to put on all your combat gear and get through the day you know I want to validate that because I've, I've had you know the highest people in an organization the person who runs an organization say to me yeah but I can't there's no way I can do that here and I, so I want to really want to normalize that. And I think it's because, you know, we think of work, and actually it's been said to me, leaders who I work with, my survival depends on this. Of course, because our work is what fuels our life financially, visibility-wise. Like, it does a lot for us. And so I want to normalize that. And then I want to really bring to question, okay, what survival? Because these individuals that I work with are brilliant they're smart, they're, they're accomplished, they're in charge, they're the adults in the room, they're not dependent, they're not a four-year-old dependent on getting food, getting water, and when I say that to my leaders, they're like, yeah, but this money gets food and water for my family, I'm like, yes, I understand that, and you now are the decision maker in charge of that food, where that food and water comes from. This is not diminishing. This is this conversation is about helping you feel like an adult at work and then deciding with agency what you want that work to look like, 
how you want to show up. And this doesn't happen overnight. This is small. And the first steps are, yes, loving your monsters in work because work is the epitome adult survival concern. How did you get it right? <laughs> what is getting it right? Let's talk about it. <laughs> Tell me what you mean by that question. You have a wonderful business that helps people. Mm-hmm. You coach people. I'm going to guess that your work environment is peaceful and people feel safe. Mm, yes, that is true. How'd you do? Well, um, it's taken a lot of work to get here. You know, and that's the premise of my book. At the end of the day, it's the argument I make is we got to start with ourselves first. I spend so much money working on myself. (laughs) I have a therapist. I have an energy worker. I have a business coach. I I mean, because everything comes down to unraveling what's inside us to show up and attract what we want. Couple of questions. What kind of people do you work with? Like people are listening saying, do I need an executive coach? Like how do people Mm. find you? How do you find people? I work with the most senior leaders in organizations, the CEOs, the C-suites. I would say everyone could benefit from an executive coach. And there are a number of coaches out there who can help folks at every level. If they don't lead teams, they can get a coach. If they lead teams, they can get a coach. I work with the most senior folks in an organization. And and they can find me at www.metaworks.io. U-T's, M-E-T-T-A-W-O-R-K-S dot I-O. And they can find me on Amazon, Who You Are Is How You Lead, if you want to first dip your toe into what we're talking about. And we're really working with leaders who are in a great deal of power. And they're looking around and they're like, you know what? I'm not enjoying exactly what I'm doing and I, I have what I thought I wanted. Or this company needs to go in a different direction and I'm getting in the way. I work with really big decision makers to figure out how to do it differently. Are there any signposts that tell us it's time to leave this job? Mm-hmm. I was joking with a friend recently that sometimes the only time we can take action is when our face is in the mud and we just can't take it anymore. That's the most extreme case is if you just literally cannot bring yourself to work every day, that's a pretty big sign. Right. You feel sick. Hopefully there are moments before then when you're assessing, is this really what I want? How do I know? A coach can really help with that because sometimes we want to make sure you're not fleeing from one burning building to another, right? right? You don't want to go into the same environment that you just left. So what's really helpful is when you start to identify these signs earlier and say, okay, is this what I want? And if it isn't, what do I want? So that when I leave this role, I step into something that really meets my needs and nourishes my soul and pays me for it. And pays me. So... (laughs) Going back to what we talked about earlier, I guess if you're going to leave one job and go to another job, wouldn't it be beneficial if you first healed what wasn't right inside you with this job? Yes, it would. And I don't want us to have tall orders. We come in with birth karma that may never be healed. Like an example is I am an anxious person. I always have been. Am I going to heal my anxiety before going to the next job? Probably not. However... Me understanding where that anxiety comes from, that concern about perfectionism in my performance, that needing everyone to like me, I think there's a lot of opportunity to examine that before moving on to the next role. So that we can mitigate it enough to make an informed decision. Talk to the bosses right now. Tell them how they can help change the culture in their workplace. Let's start looking at 
how you show up every day with your people. When you walk out of a room, how do you feel about yourself? If there's any part of you that's saying, reach out to a coach. For this program, I don't know if we have the heads of industry listening in, but what is the message you most want to get out today? We can have incredibly nourishing and fruitful relationships with those around us in the workplace if we have that relationship, a nourishing and fruitful relationship with ourselves. If we can do that, we know what it looks like. We know how to show up as who we want to, and we attract those, and we get clear on how to navigate situations where that isn't happening. The more we understand who we are, how we want to be with ourselves, the better we can do that with others in the workplace. Talk to people who may feel lonely and isolated at work, like, okay, I'm all good with this. I want to know my work demons. I I want to work cleaner and happier. Well, how do you do that if you're like, if you can't share this conversation with anyone at the office? Yeah, I would start with those around you personally, who you love, talking about work, asking them their thoughts, and of course, reaching out to a coach sounding board. I mean, that's why heads of industry hire me, because they they feel lonely and isolated. Right. <laughs> There's no one they can talk to about this. They're at the head of the company. And so what's so interesting is that even folks within the company often feel the same way as heads of industry. It's all normal. And so reach out to an expert or reach out to a friend and just start talking about this and, and share that ickiness you feel about yourself in, in contributing to these cultural norms. Rachel Ryder, founder of MetaWorks. Online at metaworks.io. It's located right here in Westchester. Rachel's probably afraid I'm going to show up on her doorstep in the morning. But she really did help me a ton, and maybe you heard it too. When I shared about my situation at work, she said what I hear is your desire for a sense of belonging. And that really was like a ton of bricks moment for me, because that's absolutely 100% what I want. I want to feel like I belong, like I'm safe, like I'm part of a team. Like we're all on the same side. But upon further inspection, it was all very clear to me. This feeling that I had, that I wasn't part of a team, that I wasn't welcome, that I didn't belong, that I wasn't safe, I brought that in with me. That came in with me. And when you come in looking through a prism, all you can see is evidence of what you brought in with you, I think. And so, with self-compassion, we thank the monster coping mechanism and kiss goodbye. Because another thing Rachel said was, I promise you, once you see what you're bringing to the situation, once you face what the situation is, things will get better. And she was 100% correct about that. It's like having the scales fall away from your eyes. And once you can see clearly, you can make different decisions from a place of power. And so I am very grateful to Rachel Ryder of MetaWorks, metaworks.io. Find her book everywhere. It's called Who You Are is How You Lead. Who You Are is How You Lead by Rachel Ryder. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. 
Coming up on Monday, we have our monthly Zoom. If you'd like to join the Zoom and just talk about things that make us feel healthier and happier, you can find the link for Monday's 6 o'clock Zoom at caseysplace.com. I want to say thank you to the ALS Association for having me on a Zoom this week where I got to talk to people about mindfulness and meditation. And I'm happy to say I'll be doing the same thing next week for women veterans through the Barbara Giordano foundation there's nothing i love more than talking about health and happiness and learning ways to be healthier and happier still learning every day our thought for the day is from oprah winfrey who said the greatest discovery of all time is that a person can change his future by merely changing his attitude shine on you've been listening to shine on the health and happiness show with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on.